living overseas, it, it caused our family to depend more on others. Our three kids have many aunts and uncles in Africa and throughout the Middle East. Uncle Dick, he lives in Egypt, and Auntie Heather, she lives in Madagascar. Where we lived and the way we lived helped us see the benefits of community and understand the importance of working out our faith in community. We want this for Connection Point Church. Our three-year-old son, Lucas, he already calls Pastor Zach, our, our family life pastor, Uncle Zach. So I ask, can we be a community of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews, papas and grammies? Are you open to this kind of faith family, this kind of closeness, a family that when there are disagreements, you do not fragment, but instead you reconcile, you come together as we talked about last week? What do you think? I'd love to hear our kids coming out of their classes onto Main Street, greeting their aunts and uncles and papas and grammies. That would be a wonderful thing. When we were living in Sudan, I had opportunity to do life with a great brother from another mother. His name is Dick. You know, the funny thing is his picture actually sits on a wall outside of my office. Uh, it was hung there long before I arrived, and when I saw it, I took a picture I emailed it to him and said, look at whose ugly face I have to look at every day. He sent his laughable email back and told me it serves me right for leaving him in North Africa. <laughs> well, we'd go out in the morning, Dick and I, as we were living in Sudan together. We'd run a few miles, him wearing a Marines t-shirt that I asked him not to wear. Like, why would you wear that? You know, I'm not afraid of death, but I don't go seeking it out either. We'd run, we'd head off to work, engaging with Sudanese Muslims, have meals together from time to time, play basketball together, challenge each other in our faith and living like Jesus, argue sometimes, pray together, really just do life together in Jesus' name. At some point, he passed along some family rules that he'd adopted for his boys, he's got two, and Shelly and I put them into practice as well. They hang in our kitchen for our kids to see every morning. We've modified them a bit, but they remain essentially the same. And here's what they are. Three, three family rules, three family expectations. Love Jesus and others. Live in the joy of the Lord. And run the race well. What we found is that these principles help people find success in life. For the most part, if our kids grow up to love Jesus and others, to live in the joy of the Lord and to run the race well, Shelly and I will be proud and thankful parents. And Shelly and I have a longing, a, a passion, a commitment that Connection Point Church will be a family. A loving, safe, laughing, caring, accepting, adventurous, life-giving family family where people are genuinely known, lovingly supported, and honestly challenged. Now, families do sometimes argue and fight, but that's because families are real and raw, not sanitized and fake. I don't like sanitized and fake. I, I really don't have time for it. 
Real families are healthy, and they have bonds that can never be broken. This is why I shared the message last week that to be right with God, you must be right with others. So again, I encourage you. If you need to work on some relationships in your life, commit yourself to do it this month. Get things right with others in order to be right with God and to find greater peace in your life. To bring glory to God with our lives as a church, we must be this kind of faith family, one that truly does life together, loving Jesus and others, living in the joy of the Lord, and running the race well. And here's what I know. We can have a great life together by meeting these family expectations. To help us better understand these life principles, I invite you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I invite you to turn with me to the second book in the New Testament, the book of Mark chapter 12. We'll read verses 30 and 31. We're going to keep reading several scripture passages today, so I encourage you to keep your Bible close at hand. We'll start reading from Mark chapter 12, then James chapter 1, and Hebrews chapter 12. So we've got several passages. Before we read these texts this morning, I also invite you to stand for the reading of God's word, starting in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And now James 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. And now in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. These are the very words of God. First thing I'd like to share is that we can have a great life together as a transformational, Jesus-centered faith family by loving Jesus and others. So let me say this. Let's love who Jesus is. I am passionate about a high view of Jesus. We must not reduce Jesus to a creation of our own. I am insulted by the spineless Jesus of secular humanism. I am dismayed by the Santa Claus Jesus of the prosperity gospel. We need to repent of the genie Jesus that we bottle up in a lamp to grant our wishes. Rather than all of these distortions, we fall on our faces before the great I am, the Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. 
The Jesus who is the firstborn of all creation. The Jesus who created all things, visible or invisible. The Jesus who is above all thrones, dominions and powers. The Jesus in whom all things consist. The Jesus who is the head of the body, firstborn from the dead. The Jesus who in all things has preeminence. Him we preach, Him we love, Him we worship. The Jesus who is gentle and great. The Jesus who is just and merciful. The Jesus who is awesome and safe. The Jesus who is approachable and who dwells in unapproachable light. The Jesus who came as a vulnerable baby and will come again as a vanquishing king. Savior, healer, baptizer, soon coming king. First and last, truth life, door, shepherd, way, peace, advocate, judge, master. Let's love to be with Jesus. Let's love to abide. Let's love to be in his presence. Let's love to linger and pour out our worship as we sing. Let's love to constantly commune with Him. Let's love to get up early and give Him our best. Let's love to sing His praises and tell of His great worth. Let's love to praise and magnify and exalt and make much of Jesus. Let's love to talk about Jesus in intimate terms. Let's love to declare our worship, devotion, and dependence on him. Let's talk about Jesus so much that our near neighbors understand we are Jesus lovers. Let's always be talking about Jesus. Let's always be singing about Jesus. Let's always be talking to one another about Jesus. Let his name be sweet on our lips, his presence precious to our family. Why are we sometimes embarrassed to talk about Jesus? even to one another. My hope and longing is that our church family is so in love with Jesus that we talk about him all the time with each other. Let Jesus be part of every conversation. Let's love him and not be ashamed of it. Let's cherish Jesus. Since when did we become too cool, too tough, too balanced, too self-sufficient to be talking about Jesus. Let's talk to our kids about Jesus. Let our neighbors and work colleagues hear our constant adoration and veneration of him. Let us hear each other praise, thank, worship, and magnify Jesus. Let Jesus be the mark of our church culture. May we have unadulterated, passionate, and increasing love For our Savior. May our love be inescapable to critic and confidant alike. Let's be a family radically in love with Jesus. Jesus at the center of our family. Jesus a part of every family conversation. Jesus demonstrably the treasure of this family. Jesus our all, our center, our love, our hope, our joy. Jesus ever in our hearts, always on our lips, eternally in our eyes. The simplicity of having just Jesus. On Christ, the solid rock, 
we stand. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Oh, how we love Jesus. And as we love Jesus, let's love to be like him. Reading from 1 John 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed that we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What sweet wonder that the more we love Jesus, the more we are like him. The more we are like him, the better we represent him in the world. And the better we represent Jesus in the world, the bigger his family will grow. Are you taking time daily to abide in Jesus? As you go about your day, are you thinking about him, singing songs about him and treating others like he would treat them? Are you making much of Jesus with your life? Is he truly at the center of it all? It is the process of becoming like Jesus that leads us to and necessitates the second family expectation. We can have a great life together as a transformational, Jesus-centered faith family by living in the joy of the Lord. We see in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter writes, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And reading from James, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our family loves Jesus and others, lives in the joy of the Lord, and we also run the race well. We can have a great life together as a transformational, Jesus-centered faith family by running the race well. We see in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Did you hear that? How do we run the race well? We keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in place of honor beside God's throne. So from these verses, how do we run the race well? Our joy is found by keeping our eyes on Jesus and living in light of eternity. 
living with an understanding that this life is not all there is. But what qualities does one possess if they're running the race well? I, I shared them with you during our Live Like It Matters series in January and February. Andrew helped me put a graphic so that we can remember them. And here's what they are. They're, they're labeled on this hand. It's abide daily, live the word, which is loving God and loving others, sharing the story of Jesus, giving generously, and serving others. You are running the race well if you are living out these five things. In fact, you are changing the world if you live this way. Let's briefly look at each one. Abiding daily. We, we get this from John chapter 15. It says, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What we find in abiding is that it is first a discipline which becomes desire and it matures into delight. So I encourage you to spend an extravagant amount of time with Jesus every day. And then we have lived the word from Mark chapter 12, where Jesus says, And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these so the second one is living the word, which is loving God and loving others, living right with God and living right with others. And then the third quality is sharing the story of Jesus. We see from, from Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What a wonderful promise that as we share his story, as we go about the business of sharing the story of Jesus, that he is with us as we do it. The fourth quality is that person who gives generously, found in 1 Corinthians 8, 3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. Someone who is a person who gives generously is someone who tithes, they give offerings, and they do supernatural giving, like what we talk about as it relates to faith promise in our missions conference. And the last quality is serving others. Luke 9, 24. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So we encourage you to engage by serving others. Maybe you were living in the joy of the Lord, running the race well, but something happened. You fell, and now you need to get back up to finish the race, keeping your eyes on Jesus and living in light of eternity. Maybe you were running well like Heather Dornadin in this 600-meter race in which she fell, but you might need to pick yourself up off the mat to finish the race well. You can do this. We can do this together. Let's run the race well because Jesus stands at the finish line. Have you been living without the joy of the Lord? But do you long to be filled with the joy that only Jesus can bring in order to finish the race set out before you? You can start 
by fixing your eyes on Jesus and living in light of eternity. If you'd like Jesus to give you a glimpse of eternity, to fill you with his spirit in order to live joyfully, running the race well, knowing he stands at the finish line, I invite you to come out of your seats and spend time out here in the front as a faith family, worshiping the one who's worthy of all of our praise. Pick yourself up and be filled with joy today.